We are geek-centric, and you can be too. Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast. My name is Nate, and in this episode, we're going on an adventure to restore the land of Kumandra as we give you our thoughts on Raya and the Last Dragon. But first, if you're joining us for the first time, this is a weekly show covering the world of film, television, gaming, toys, and collectibles, and all things Geekcentric. Joining me on the show, we have the jolliest Jiandui maker in all of Jiangxi, Justin. Yo, what's up? <laughs> Justin, you ever make a, a, a Jiandui? You ever make one of those? Uh, once. Yeah? In past it's life. It's a pastry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, and released from his stone form only to either destroy the world or make things right. We have the coolest kid constantly collecting while coordinating the culmination of all of Kumandra, King Kevin Hudson. King, I like it. Yeah, I thought you might appreciate that one there. And I'm definitely going for Destroy the World, just so everyone of course. knows. Oh, great. Amazing. All right, well, as I mentioned in the intro, we are going to be reviewing Raya and the Last Dragon, but I did want to mention just a little bit of housekeeping before we hop on Tuck Tuck and roll right through this review. Uh, first, if you haven't already listened, we we uh, we just dropped the final episode of our Watch Club for Marvel's WandaVision with special guest Mr. Mitch George of the Press YYZ podcast. So go give that a listen. Or you know what? Go back and, and relive the show and Watch Club from the very beginning if you want. Uh, also, speaking of WandaVision, Kevin and Justin dropped one of my favorite videos we've ever done on our YouTube channel. Um, so go please give that a watch. It's uh, it's Kevrevision. Uh, if you're a big fan of WandaVision, as I am, uh, I think you'll really, really enjoy it. And there's a lot of really cool, subtle moments in there uh, that are, are really, really well done. Um, and lastly, uh, I was also able to guest on a couple of podcasts in the last week. Uh, the first one with the movie podcast crew, where uh, I joined them for their WandaVision finale review, which was a wonderful time. And the second uh, podcast that I got a chance to, to guest on uh, is called Cold Coffee Conversations. It's hosted by Ryan Gore, uh, where I'm, I was on a panel of guests where we discussed video games, gaming culture, and its effect on our senses. So please go give those a listen. Um, we'll, we'll add the links in the, in the show notes below. Um, but yeah, go support all those wonderful people as well, and, uh, and uh, we look forward to seeing what you think. Uh, but now, guys, let's get into our review for Raya and the Last Dragon as our topic of the show. All right, so this is our review for Disney's Raya and the Last Dragon, directed by Don Hall and Carlos Lopez Estrada, and co-directed by Paul Briggs and John Rippa. This movie stars Kelly Marie Tran, Aquafina, Isaac Wang, Gemma Chan, Daniel Day Kim, Benedict Wong, Sandra Oh, and Alan Tudyk. Uh, yeah, he was in there too. Well, sort bit. of. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> The story is set in the fantasy world of Kumandra, uh, where humans and dragons live together in harmony. However, when sinister monsters known as the Droon threatened the land, the dragons sacrificed themselves to save humanity. Now, 500 years later, those same monsters have returned, and it's up to a lone warrior named Raya to track down the last dragon and stop the Droon for good. Now, just before we get into our initial impressions, we actually have, uh, just to start off, 
a write-in question from one of our beloved listeners. Uh, we got friend of the show and video dame herself, Megan Clara Dot Draws, writing in, and she asks, the landscapes of Kumandra were, uh, were so realistic and beautiful. If you could live in any region of this dragon land, which one would it be and why? Mm. Um, Justin, let's start with you, buddy. Uh, I, I think I would probably like to live in in heart it's got water near it but it's more it's more earth and i feel like i i really do like being out in the trees um you know i'm not necessarily the strongest swimmer so i don't know if i would be <laughs> great at by a water a city by water but uh yeah, yeah I, I no think fang heart, for you yeah heart yeah, yeah. no no fact and um <laughs> yeah i think i think that would be the place that i would like to reside if i if i could in in this mystical world very cool. I mean, you got a lot of hearts, so it would make a oh, lot of sense. Thanks, you know? buddy. <laughs> Listen, it's a Disney review, guys. Yeah. We gotta keep. I have all keep the warm feels here. Keep it soft. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of keeping it soft, Kevin, <laughs> uh, where was just... Jesus? Has Sarah been talking to you? I thought we were a doing Disney a Disney re- review here. Jeez. Um, where would you want to live? In um, I, I agree. Heart was obviously quite lovely. Uh, looked very nice. Uh, I thought Fang. Was a was a really cool looking place, but uh, I would go with Talon. I just yeah. think uh, you know a very vibrant sort of marketplace. Obviously, probably the best protected, um, mm. and so that that that's where I would certainly uh, choose to be. The nightlife was bumping. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say, you're a nightlife kind of guy. I know when we walked around uh, Epcot, I know as soon as nightfall hit, you were that was that was party Kev. That was you know that was a good time. Uh, for myself, realistically, Justin, just like yourself, we'd be living together. Uh, yeah. we'd, we'd be, we'd be, we'd be uh, roommates in heart. Because um, <laughs> it seems like they're they're pretty well off, and I like I kind of want to live in a place that's pretty well off. If I'm going to be honest, um, it looks lovely. It looks peaceful. It looks very ornate, um, and it's also the only region that has rice. So I, I think I'd rather be I think I'd rather be a statue than live without rice, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you, Megan, for writing in. And, uh, and listen, listeners, if you want to write in the show as well and ask us some, you know, dragon nerd questions, you can do so at um, actually, you know what? Oh, man, my memory is hazy since the Droon turned me into a stone statue 500 years ago. Justin, can you remind uh, me and our listeners where they can write into the show? Why, of course. They can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Amazing. So, folks, uh, this review will be spoiler-free for the first few minutes uh, as we give our initial thoughts of the film, uh, and then we'll be getting into spoilers afterwards. So if you haven't watched the movie yet, you can still hear our thoughts, uh, determine whether you want to watch the movie, and then come back and listen to our, our in-depth, spoiler-filled thoughts. So, Kevin, let's kind of let's start with yourself. I, I want to know, what are your high-level thoughts on Raya and The Last Dragon? Um, you know what? O- overall, um, I-, I really did enjoy uh, the movie. I thought it looked beautiful. Uh, I thought they did a really good job of very quickly establishing how the world that we go into works. I-, I-, I thought they did a great job of just sort of putting us into the story and getting the adventure really, really quickly. Um, I will say I-, I had a few issues with some of the character work. I thought they were lacking almost personality or, or vibrance a little bit. I thought they were all just sort of a bit flat. Um, but this was probably uh, my favorite Disney animated film uh, since maybe Zootopia. So uh, overall, I really did enjoy it. Excellent. Justin? 
Yeah, um, I I absolutely loved um, the simplicity of the story, the 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 moral of it. Uh, I loved um, the sort of cultural uh, montage that was sort of uh, you know very representative in in this film uh, from everything and, and such attention to detail from cultural aspects to just you know the the look yeah i think that this this movie has the the right amount right balance of adventure and maturity while also still staying um you know very much sided on on a a kid-friendly adventure uh so as an adult male i thoroughly enjoyed this movie um and thought that uh you know there were still there were still things that kind of spoke to me a little bit uh more on a on a on a larger scale of of just like life and and things like that uh versus where i think that some some of the other disney movies uh, especially some of the more recent ones stay very centric on a person and them kind of accomplishing uh, a sort of uh moral uh growth if you will it's it's very it's very poignant that this film is coming out right now in terms of conversations of around what's going on socially so i think that there's there's just a mm. lot of uh layers to why this movie works so well right now Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Um, a lot to unpack. I know. I, I feel like. Yeah. It's, yeah. I no, just... for sure. It's tough to give impressions without spo- going into spoilers for sure. and details. Yeah, yeah. But, but we'll listen. We'll get into that. Um, you know, I think the movie. The movie is stunning. I think the art mm-hmm. direction and the character design is beautiful, and it does an admirable job at helping to build the world of Kumandra. Um, the protagonist and antagonist are strong, and their rivalry and, and relationship is probably for me the strongest part of the movie. Um, the overall mor- moral uh, of the movie is centered around truth, friendship, family, and trust, uh, and it's made very apparent throughout the the film. Uh, and and while it while it gets the message across, it, I do find that it, um, it 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 does that while very much going through the motions of a pretty standard Disney movie narrative. Um, it, it it doesn't have any classic songs or themes, um, but I did still really enjoy the music, and and I thought the music was actually a, a really beautiful standout. Um, so shout out to James Newton Howard. I thought it was absolutely fantastic, uh, and I, I actually really appreciated when the movie traded you know a musical song and dance for action. You know, I think it really fits the theme, and it really it really helps to to push that culture and. Um, and the, the choreographed fight scenes were like, they were well choreographed. I thought it was really cool. Um, and, uh, and again, we'll, we'll kind of get into that. Uh, you know, I think there's, this isn't really a spoiler, but there's a really cool moment where we see two characters fight at the beginning of the film and we see them fight halfway through the film. And it's actually the same fight. It's actually really, really cool if you pay attention to it. Um, all that being said, I, I just don't think the movie will be as memorable as previous Disney films. Um, so, guys, um, from here on out, we can go into uh, full spoilers, um, and uh, and I will say this movie does take a lot from the CG Disney anim- movie, animated movies that came before it. So, with that lens, um, I want to know, what were some of your favorite aspects uh, or moments from the movie, and what did you feel, you know, did it do anything better or worse than movies like Frozen, Moana, or Tangled? Justin, we'll start with you. Well, I think you you said it. You know, the choreography was uh, of the fight scenes was outstanding, and I think that's kind yeah. of where I say that this this film balanced uh, feeling very mature while also being a kid friendly approach. The fighting and the way the camera moved around through the fight scenes was was really well done. It, it, it makes me wonder if they did like mocap for the fight scenes, very much like how they mm. did with. Uh, 
uh, Darth Maul and Ahsoka in the uh, final Clone Wars season. They, that was a full mocap fight sequence that was uh, rendered into you know an animated scene. So I feel like that's that's a plausible way. If they've already done that, they could probably apply that to this movie. Um, so yeah. there's something that they've I think they've evolved right. They they push the boundaries of of how much action they can really incorporate into this this sort of movie. But with that, I think you're kind of right to say that it might not be as memorable as as those other films just because it doesn't have yeah. uh, the one thing that I actually enjoyed was no musical number uh, oh, I did yes. I, I'm glad that there was no musical number to kind of break from the seriousness of the story uh, and it stayed relatively action focused like you were saying Nate uh, it, mm-hmm. it, it offered up the action versus the music and I feel like to your point that might be the thing that makes it not necessarily stick around as being memorable because if we think about Frozen and, uh, you know, Moana and Tangled, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, of that realm, there definitely have strong musical pieces that are hooks for kids. Yeah, like, I, 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 you, you bring up a really good point. And, uh, you know, one of the things that really stood out for me was the fact that there wasn't a big musical number or a big song. And I wonder, you know, it's almost unfortunate that because it doesn't have that song or that musical number or something to sort of, you know, you know, is Frozen really that good? Or was it that one song that got stuck in everybody's head <laughs> and you will always associate yeah. that movie with that song and therefore, you know, it's got some resonance and, and some uh, credibility. Uh, so I, I I appreciate the fact that they let the characters sort of do their own thing without having to be, you know, breaking, breaking into a musical number. I don't think there was ever a, a point in the movie where it would have made sense. So that, that stood out. Yeah. Um, I mean, while we're on the positive train, I, you know, we'll stick with some of the positives before we get to our, maybe some more of our, our negative thoughts about the movie. But I mean, I, I really loved, uh, you know, that we, we finally got like a, a Disney animated film like this um, with two very refreshing tra- changes. First, uh, no love interest. I just, uh, you know, a, a, a determined female protagonist who wants to save her dad and ultimately his vision of, of rescuing and restoring Kumandra. Like, I thought that's just great. Disney, do more of that because, like, we don't need the we don't need the love relationships, the lovey-dovey stuff. And I, for a second, I, I actually thought that it, they were going to go the route of, of her and... Um, uh, her her friend Namari. I thought they were going to. I got vibes from when they were, but I, you know, even that was just a strong friendship. Which, like, still good, good on them. It's a sisterhood, companionship. But it's it's good that they didn't they didn't just fall into like either, even that making into a, a relationship. Um, that would have I think kind of muddled the 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 push for the for the narrative and the moral. But I think the the second thing that I really loved um was that there was no traditional you know, Disney villain in the movie, right? There was just a bunch of people who were trying to protect their land for, for their own reasons. And I mean, you know, I understood where Namari and Fang were coming from with what they did. And while you could argue that the Droon were the true villains and, the, you know, they, they were kind of mindless and what have you, but I think it does a good job of letting you know that, like, really the lack of trust in the world is the villain, right? Um, and if Disney can keep elevating their characters in that direction and, and give us maybe a little more time with them in the future projects... I think they could lift their storylines to the level of Pixar and and not just their visuals in this case. Yeah, I I, I, I agree with you there. I, I think that the strength of focusing the story on a simple moral of trusting one another, even when beliefs can sometimes be skewed. Uh, you know, there's a great line that the uh, that the father says to um, Raya when he's talking about the gem. It brings you know that everyone thinks that it brings prosperity to to yeah. heart and he says they assume it does 
uh, just as we assume things of them. So, and, it, and it's very much that, cool. that's that mentality of, of the kind of like the overarching thing that everyone assumes something of someone else and doesn't trust anyone. Um, hence yeah. this sort of broken unity and that the, you know, the, the simplicity of the message too, of like Kumandra means unity in, in a sense, right? Because if it's them together, whereas, you know, we have all of these broken fractures, I think that like they, they, to your point, they, they relied on that as being the villain of, of this story, along with uh, the Droon who kind of symbolize, uh, as they said, the, the malice. I think they, they refer yeah. to it, born out of the human malice, uh, and that yeah. turns everything to stone. And that's kind of, that is that sort of that hate and that, that disillusion and that, that misunderstanding, that, that idea of just, you know, very poignant to, again, our times and, and wh- how we can kind of relate things to, to right now and how we can trust the next person to, to hopefully do the right thing. Um, so I, I think that that's a very strong message. And I think that that is, is, uh, is actually the strength of this movie, which is unfortunate because I do agree with you, Kevin. I think it's not going to be as memorable as, as much as they've, they've, they've put into it from every standpoint yeah. of, of infusing that cultural touch. Um, and paying attention to all of those details while also giving you a real, like a real connected moral story. Absolutely. Like, I, I think there's, there, that, that is such a great part of the movie. It's like, wow, what a fresh, you know, moral for them to kind of go off mm-hmm. of. And I also thought that, like, you know, um, the, the cultural representation of the movie, it's really, it's, it's really awesome that they, they tried to incorporate so many different Southeast cultures into this movie. I, I just kind of feel though, as though like I didn't come away from it with, with any strong sense of, of a specific one. They threw so many different cultures into this, this fantasy world that I, I kind of only got, the only thing I got from it was like the design of the dragons was very, you know, but traditional. I, I appreciated that. I, I feel like yeah. that was the one thing that I, I you know, like it, it, for us, we might be exposed to traditions that don't necessarily matter about which specific culture they associate. They're just traditions that are part of a culture and right. they adopt so much like the, the way they always focused on the shoes coming off whenever you're entering a very sacred temple place, like a home mm. of something, mm. um, you know, like it, there's just, you know, like little things like that or, you know, the, the, the garments that they wore or the tiling in, in some of these palaces. Like, you know, they, everything just felt like it was such a nice sort of blend to create something new in this fantasy world. Uh, mm. Whereas, you know, I guess you could say like Moana out of the other films that we have like Tangled and maybe Frozen living in that that sort of this digital CG Disney world, um, you know. Uh, with Moana, there is a very heavy cultural representation of the the Polynesian Mm -hmm. influence from the music to, to just the sort of the spirituality of it. I don't know. It's, it was just, it was really well done. I feel like to, rather than to just silo it into one culture, bring like a sort of a thing to it, to create something new. Cause this is all fantasy. This whole story is fantasy. So why not just kind of adopt those traditions rather than trying to say, Oh no, it exists in Chinese culture or, or Filipino culture or Japanese culture. It's, yeah, when, when, when you think about Asia as a continent, it, it mm-hmm. does embody so many different cultures and people and, you know, to to sort of show a shifting landscape as you traveled yes. throughout the land, it, it, yeah. it was very, you know, it was a perfect representation of that. I have to give like huge props to the um, the costume design. And that is not something that I would ever really notice or talk about after a movie, but I just thought... 
like some of the clothing was so cool looking like Namari's shirt with the, 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 the stick across and the strap. Like it was like the coolest shirt I've ever seen in a movie. I just thought it really enhanced the characters in that sense. And it, it actually stood out for me as something that I don't normally talk about in a movie. So I did just want to throw some credit that way. Yeah, no. And that, I think that ties r- r- very strongly back to the, the sort of the South Asian, South Asian influence of the fashion and, and stuff like that. Cause like even to a certain degree, the tiling and, and some of the materials and the fabrics didn't only just grab like South Southeast Asia and like the Philippines or Laos or, or those areas, it, it kind of also had a little bit of India and Indian culture, but that's also kind of infused in the Philippines and, and in those areas of, of, of where they're drawing their inspiration. So you can really start to see the layers. And, and I think that's, what's beautiful about the cultural thing is that all cultures do have the same sort of layers to them, just different aspects. Like they're, they're all influenced and inspired from one another to breathe new life. And that's kind of what this movie did really, really well. It, it's, it, it should be this blending of these different cultures and these different ideas. And they were the ones who, when, when things went bad, enforced these borders that sort of created the divide, you know, these imaginary borders. But you know, these things can blend over each other rather than just stopping at an imaginary line. Yeah. I guess I, th- I just think that it, it could have done better if we had gotten more time with these places. Like, I, again, I don't think we can talk enough about the visuals. And I, I want to hear your guys' you know, takes on that as well. But just before we get to that, like, I, I just, I, you know, this is definitely the best looking Disney animated film that we've gotten from them so far. I definitely agree with that. Some of the, the imagery of the CGI is, is lifelike. Like it looks real. Um, I, I love the different lands, right? They're named after Fang, you know, parts of the dragon, Fang, spine, talon, tail, and, and heart, as we mentioned. And, you know, going into the film, um, you know, I had heard from, from different people that it was similar to avatar, the last airbender. And I'm wondering if that might've affected my, uh, my, <laughs> my take on it. But, um, yeah, let me jump in. I finally took the plunge. I've started. Um, oh, sick! You and, did watch. And, you started and, watching. Yeah, it. and it could not be more perfect because the whole time I'm going, "This is so Avatar right now." Uh, <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. And listen, we'll get to that on a watcha in a future episode. I want to hear all your thoughts on it as you've gotten into Avatar: The Last Airbender. I'm so happy that you said that. But getting back to what I was saying, um, I I would you know I would say it did feel very much like like you're saying like Avatar: The Last Airbender for me, except. You know, um, or sorry, especially like where where Raya is telling the the story of the land from 500 years ago, and she describes the four other clans. Like that's pretty much the intro to every Avatar episode. I just wish we got to explore these lands more. I felt as though their personality didn't shine as much as they should have. They move from land to land way too quickly to establish anything memorable about them, and I feel like that's a miss. Like you know, they're like now you know part of that could be the restrictions of having a two hour long narrative. But then maybe just limit it to three places instead of five, you know, like I think I think I think this concept was proven by Avatar The Last Airbender that it works better maybe as a series, which I think they could still do with this property if Disney, you know, doesn't just move on after this one, Um, because, you know, I don't know, I I I just feel like they're they, they didn't do enough to really make any specific land stand out. A ton, right? They gave us a little bit of backstory. I would have just loved more personality from from within these different places in the world. 
Yeah, I, I think what you're getting at is you'd rather a TV series of this whole thing rather than a, a, a two-hour movie, right? Or under a yes. two-hour movie, right? So, mm-hmm. like, there's a lot to achieve and, and to establish in in that and that time frame. And yeah, you're, you're probably right. There, there would have been better as as a series, or even like if they had set it up as like a trilogy, like they were doing a three-set sure. series of movies, right, where they stretch yeah. it out over that. But you know. Um, I think again, going back to what we were saying about like the moral and the, and that idea of the story, you know, drawing that out over a series versus you know containing that in a story. I don't know if that's going to have the same sort of resonance in a, a over a series versus like in a in a film, right? So, well, and 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 I mean, while I understand it would have been nice to have spent more time in each of these places, they did such a good job of making them distinct areas Visually. and distinct yeah. regions. Like you did yeah. feel like you were in a, a whole new world in each of these different lands. And so I think it would, in that case, it succeeded. And, you know, as we've said, you can't have a, a three or four hour long movie, you know, and, uh, you know, you know, just making a TV show simply to extend your time in these places, you know, I think the, the story served its purpose in the time that they were given. And so we had to sort of move quickly. But I think it speaks to how I think it speaks to how good the ideas are, sure. right? That I want more of them. Yeah. I just think you that always they, want if they more, had a, though. You always, I always want, want more. more. No, yeah. but like I just feel like I just feel like there really, really wasn't enough uh, to justify having five different lands. Did it make it three strong locations that have their own personality that we could really spend some time in? I think that would have worked. Yeah, and I, I agree. Like I think that that to a certain point, maybe five is a stretch. If you had three, then it would have carried far better in a in a short time frame. But you know, yeah. it it is it is to say that like they did a lot. They did establish a lot in this fantasy world. They really set it up. So to your point of of hopefully they revisit this in some sort of capacity of a sequel or or you know a series to kind of explore. That would be great. Cool. And guys, before we move on to the next uh, question, I just want to know. What were maybe the the one of the top visual moments for you guys? Did you guys have any top moments that really stood out just from a visual standpoint or just something that visually made you, uh, you know, impressed you? I mean, the whole movie's insanely impressive, but was there just uh, any sort of scenes that really stuck out to you? Um, I mean, yeah, I think the whole film was just beautiful. It, it would be really hard after just one uh, viewing to sort of pick out a specific moment like that. Um I mean, my only issue, because again, don't get me wrong, it is beautiful. My only issue is that now all of these, you know, purely Disney animated films are all, it's starting to blend between a Disney film and a Pixar film. They're starting Mm. to all kind of look the same and take on that same personality. And I, I kind of miss the classic animated look. And, and while I think this movie benefited from the CGI and, and to create these beautiful lands and these incredible looking characters, it worked here, but I just wish that we could go back every once in a while to that classic Disney animated feel just to sort of give us a little distinction. Because if you look at all of the last five, six, seven years, they're all these CG animated movies that is it a Pixar? Is it not a Pixar? You know, I, I went and looked at the list and was, surprised which ones weren't actually Pixar, you know? Uh, and so this did feel very much like a Pixar movie just because of the animation. And, you know, I, I would like some distinction in that regard. Yeah, I, th- I think the distinction for me always relies on the story. Like, this is conventionally a Disney story, whereas something like Soul is 100% 
a Pixar kind of story, right? Like the way they approach their narratives are, are entirely different. But to your point, there's still a, an appreciation for that. Like look at the success of something like uh, Into the Spider-Verse, uh, you know, with that sort of 2D, 3D blend uh, yeah. of of work, right? Um, and, and also what I really enjoyed was, was how when you know, Raya was like almost recapping certain pieces of information. I think it was after the first chunk. Um, and we see her when she's with her father and they're walking to the kitchen. She's, she's review, like she's basically telling us all these, who all of these different outlanders are and where, you know, Fang and, and so on and so forth. And they had a very two dimensional line work. That was a cool animation yeah. style. And I liked how they differentiated like the, the real world, which, you know, is with Raya and her father. And then, you know, when there's these like narratives or stories, they, they kind of jumped into this sort of illustrative style. I'd like to see more to your point, Kevin, I'd love to see more of that like a you know that sort of style like the last one was was princess and the frog i believe right yeah. but but even like this that sort of style would have worked really really well for this entire like film because it just it imagine it has that, that as a series Justin. yeah yeah like that would make sense i'm just saying <laughs> disney if you want to do it i'll work with you on it trust me i think it's a great idea i just want to jump uh really quickly on the point you made at the beginning there just i think we've now established the difference between a Disney movie and a Pixar movie. Disney makes movies. Pixar makes films. Yeah. You know, oh. and you know yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I really uh, kind of appreciate that idea, right? If yeah. you just want a nice, easy to digest story, uh, it's still going to look beautiful, but it's sort of a, a more simple concept. Disney's going to give you that. If you want to sit there for hours thinking about philosophy and, and the meaning of life, watch a Pixar movie. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, or where your soul goes. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I think for me visually, there's one scene that just stands out and it's so, so gorgeous. And it's the, it's, it's not even the most memorable thing from a, a storyline standpoint. It's just literally a small moment uh, where Gemma Chan's character, Namari, is riding with the Fang gang on their giant cats, which I thought was super cool. It reminded me of He-Man. But no, uh, there's this moment where they're, 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 they, they're like riding these cats back to Fang uh, after not being able to capture Raya. And they're, they slow down and they, they respectfully just walk through the the dragon cemetery if you will good just with call all these that was a really stone dragons scene. right it's gorgeous and you see namari pause and and she she respects them by holding up her hands right and and it just was like it literally looked like concept art had come to life like it looked like a painting in real life and i just thought that was gorgeous but um guys you know now with this film uh featuring our movie sorry i'm trying to remember which pixar is a film this is a movie okay now with this movie featuring a relatively small cast uh were there any performances that stood out for you or some that you found didn't quite hit the mark kevin i want to hear from you first on this one um i don't think that there was a performance that didn't hit the mark so much mm. as i think some characters were sort of you know just i don't know i i never got the set like these great lines of dialogue these these really good jokes it was all very sort of straightforward sort of yeah. um um you know characters in, in that sense and so i kind of was was longing for some of these characters to to have a, a burst of personality that never really came um but i do think that aquafina uh really really did a great job um as sort of being the presence of the movie and that is not something i've ever said before about really? aquafina 
Um, I don't like the the, the bottled water, uh, and uh, she's never been uh, an actress <laughs> that I've uh, really yeah. uh, enjoyed as much as I did this time. So I, I, I give her props on that in that regard. Hmm. Justin. Um, yeah, Aquafina was fantastic. She was the highlight. Uh, she brought her own sort of genie, uh, Mushu, you know, that Eddie Murphy sort of, you know, or Robin Williams uh, characteristic. I think she she kind of owned that fun personality and knew that that's what she kind of was bringing to this. But she had some really great heartfelt moments. I really appreciated, though, uh, kind of tying back to uh, the CGI, how they really made each character kind of look like who they actually were. Like Aquafina's human form looked like yes, Aquafina in a Disney movie. Oh, it was shocking. Awesome. Right down to the the, like the, the sort of, you know. I wonder the teeth if she incredible. felt a little I just like it was so good. They the really freckles. hammered in on those teeth, eh? And yeah. so yeah, it was a characterization of her teeth. I yeah, don't think sure. they look like that exactly, but yeah. But it was fantastic. They they nailed her smile, they nailed her like her freckles, her her eye shape, her her sort of like even just the way she like kind of like her mannerisms. Like, you know, like I could see her doing that as a person. And the same thing with Daniel Day Kim, uh, who was fantastic, who is uh Benja or Ba Chief Benja, yeah. Yeah, Chief Benja. Yeah, he was he was great and like even Sandra O oh was in it and I didn't realize it was Sandro until I took a look at the IMDB but then I went back and I looked at photos of the character that she portrays and the character even though it's a different complexion still has like the same sort of like long face that that Sandra O yeah. has and like it's just it's it, cool it's kind of nice that they try to infuse the look of the actual actors into the characters to kind of give it a little bit more of that sort of connectivity of, of role playing um, so I, I appreciated that but I, I think yeah Aquafina and um and you know Kelly Kelly Marie Tran they they did a good job voicing and, and and acting adding a lot of personality but the outstanding was was Boone for sure Boone was my favorite when he, <laughs> he was great. Him he the, was unreal Kanji. so much personality yeah. like so yeah. much like I don't know just this boisterous maturity for this little kid yeah he was fantastic yeah. I mean when you've lived when you've lived on your own for as long as he has right I think I think yeah he's gonna it, it I thought some of his stuff was really really good and just his the way he acted. I also really loved um, the the baby, little Noi. I, I I don't know. Like I thought the chase scene with her was really well done. It really fit the comedic tone yeah. of her character while still giving us that sort of classic like South Asian inspired action movie sort of yes. feeling. And like the moment where she tosses the diaper and she's just running bare butt like down the street, and then the two <laughs> the two ongoing like pull her pants open and slap it on. Like it was so <laughs> well done and like. It, that was the part that was the part in the movie where I was like, you know what? I'm okay that this isn't as serious as I kind of wanted it to be in, yeah. in certain spots. It's still yeah. a kids movie, so I was okay with that. Oh, there were fun. other parts that yeah. there were other parts that didn't work for me on that. But before I get to uh the fact that I didn't enjoy um Aquafina as Sisu, uh I really enjoyed Raya and Namari's relationship. As I said at the top of the show, um I really felt like they were rival sisters. They they cared for each other and, and how they both I loved how they both learned different things from their parents in different ways. Um, and I just thought that Kelly Marie Tran did a great job and was believable as Raya. I thought she shared great chemistry with Gemma Chan's Namari. And and overall, I think they were, for me, the standouts in the film, especially in that final act, obviously. Um, and again, shout out to Daniel Day Kim as Chief Benja for having a great dad voice. Probably one of the best dad voices I've heard in, in most Disney movies. Um, and also because he's Jin in Lost. And anytime I get a chance to talk about Lost, I'm going to take it. Okay, Justin? <laughs> <laughs> but guys, where the casting... Um, 
I don't even know if it, I can't. I, maybe I can't even blame the casting on this one. I just thought that, like, I did not enjoy Aquafina as Sisu. I, I get what they were going for, but whoever was writing that dialogue, which I'm sure she added to it, you know, with through some of her comedic, uh, you know, aspects, it it just really didn't didn't work for me. So you didn't like the 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 most enjoyable, fun character in the movie, but. Kelly Marie Tran's Raya, a flat pastiche of a character, <laughs> impressed you. Like she was a boring lead, in my opinion. No, I think I think she I think she did a good job, but I think her I think her uh, character and performance was only elevated by by Gemma Chan's Namari and their relationship. Like, had that relationship not been a thing, sure, yeah, maybe I wouldn't have really enjoyed her as much. But listen, I I just think that. Her, um, you know, the way that Aquafina did her line delivery, right? Like, I, I just didn't, I didn't think it was, it was kind of all over the place, and I didn't believe her. I didn't believe her. And when she's the catalyst that delivers the moral of the story to the audience, she needs to be believable. I need to feel something when she speaks. I just didn't. I didn't feel anything when she was giving those epic lines throughout the film. But like, I don't know. wasn't wasn't she supposed to just be pure innocence instead of? delivering the morality and the message of trust and everything instead of being that serious character which you got from say Daniel Day Kim um you know as the father she her pure just innocence and just belief was sort of the key to that character no exactly it was the key to Raya to the key to Raya as we know right cuz she realized based on the story that that uh that Sisu shares that it was about trust and that's what she's been trying to teach her all along she just wants to trust her instinct and do it and yes you have these moments where uh, Sisu realizes that maybe she shouldn't be so trusting because people are out to get her. It's a different time. It's a different world. Whereas Raya is is just she's suspicious of everyone. She doesn't trust a single single person. So for me, what I feel like the the the, the dynamic between uh, Namari and and Raya, while very you know the conflict is interesting and they're friends and you know they thought they were best friends and they're nerding out about dragons and stuff like that. Like I love that and. I just feel like that was so underwhelming in comparison to the sort of relationship that uh, Raya and, and Sisu had and, and the, the, the sort of how they helped each other along. In reality, they helped, they all helped each other, right? Because even Namari kind of learned from, from Sisu the belief, you know what I mean, that there could be more, that could be better, right? So I don't know. I, I get that you maybe were underwhelmed by the performance, but I, I feel like I was far more underwhelmed by Namari's performance. I don't know. Go back to the moment on the boat with Sisu when she's delivering that that really sort of sad moment line before they put all the flowers in the water I did I just didn't feel anything from her when she said that she was but you could see that she suffered really she suffered like I I feel like I feel like that (sighs) that yeah that's that's strange that's weird that maybe I just I don't know like I again don't maybe I just shouldn't be comparing this to Disney movies of the past with amazing you know characters who were also in her position right like sure but like even someone like robin williams as the genie who was yeah. out was crazy you couldn't take him serious for a second but then when he broke into like these very sincere moments and when he talked about yeah. you know his freedom and stuff like that like it, there was a there's a tonal shift and i agree like we're not talking about and we're talking robin about two different, i know we're talking about robin williams right. versus aquafina but she still tried to she brought that she still brought that and i mm. i think that should be appreciated yeah like when you said it when you compared this performance to the likes of Robin Williams or, or Eddie Murphy, 
that's a really bold statement. And I actually think that you're onto something with that. Like she did rise up to the caliber of that sort of performance there. So like, I think you're, you're spot on with that, Josh. She really did create this memorable side character, this sort of companion uh, for the main character. Well, I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree on that one, boys, until we get to a movie combat to character edition, uh, <laughs> which I think will have to happen at some point. Well, no, we'll have to get a different person on, Justin, as an impartial judge. Now, guys, I want to know, with this movie premiering on uh, Disney Plus Premium Access, uh, and a lot of people upset about the price, especially here in Canada, it's like $38. Uh, do you think the TV experience took away from the movie? And do you think it was worth the $30 price tag? Kevin, you're, you've got a, a big shaky head going on. What do you think, Kevin? Uh, honestly, I don't think that this movie would have benefited from being on the big screen. Uh, even mm-hmm. as visually stunning as it was, it looked perfectly fine on all 55 inches that I had going. <laughs> yeah. Um and like people with the price, they need to make money on these movies or they can't make them anymore. Like, I don't True. know what people want. Yeah. And you hear so many people say, oh, I'm so happy I can watch in my living room. I can pause to go to the washroom. I could do whatever. But $38, it's still cheaper than going, you know, I think, yeah. you know, with the, the number of people we have on our account, six or seven of us will be able to watch this movie for $38 versus... How much would that cost for that many people to go to the movie theater, you know? Absolutely. And so I just, I, again, I didn't I didn't splurge for Wonder Woman. Heard it was crap, didn't watch it. This was, uh, you know, a, a new release that I wanted to see, so I spent the money. I just don't understand where people are coming yeah. from as they complain about this stuff. Yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with the price. Like, uh, to Kevin's point, they need to, they need to make their money somehow but i i am still selective it's just like how i would go to the theaters i'm still selective about what i would purchase ver- or go see in theaters versus what i would want to see um that being said uh i do think though that the experience of watching this movie in a theater with maybe 3d would have made some of those action scenes super epic mm. uh, especially for yeah. how close the camera and like those chase scenes like you brought it up with the in the market of of uh Talon, where they're running with, uh, you know, she's chasing the baby. Um, that would have been epic in 3D as the camera swoops and the slow motion and, you know, things like that. So I feel that like some of it would have been, cool, been yeah. yeah, some of it would have been really, and, and, and the final battle sequence when they have the gems and they're, you know, facing off against the dream, like it would have been really, really um, immersive, I think, in that capacity. So, um, but again, um, I, I don't, it's it's one of those things obviously it makes sense for the times right now to be watching this movie at home and you know i made it dark i you know put noise canceling headphones on um i literally just finished it like i literally just finished it today so <laughs> right before <laughs> no, like, this podcast i never turn off the lights and sort of yeah. crank up the tv you know sarah's always giving me crap because the tv's so quiet um right. <laughs> and I'll watch anything with just the, all the lights on, uh, you know, in the kitchen, whatever. But when we sit down for one of these movies, we turn off all the lights, we crank up the volume and it. Yeah. You create your own sort of experience yeah. and it works. Yeah, I love the idea, Justin, though, that you did say, like, 
initially I had, I was written down for my review that I, I didn't think it needed to be seen on a giant theater screen. I do like the idea of that that 3D or, you know, even if we were at Disney World and they have like a 4D version where water sort of spurts out at you and yeah, yeah. and you can feel like you can the mist coming off of the the drones, you see the the sort of the smoke sort of fly off. I think can that you would imagine be really cool. the ride they could create from this movie? The, oh, right? But wow. they're not going to, Kevin. They're not going to. I just really feel I really like they're think not they will. Going to. I think they can and I think they oh. will. But um, I think I think the fact of seeing it in 4K Ultra HD on an OLED display is, is probably, you know, right now the best way that you can watch it. I think it looks absolutely <laughs> stunning. You guys are making fun of me for for, <laughs> for flexing my OLED. Oh, um, yeah. It's the Tell best. your specs it's, some more there, pal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 65 inches, whatever. I've got two of them. So anyways, I think the, the price point, to your guys' point, is absolutely worth it for a family. If you've got a little one, definitely watch it with them. I, I would say, though, and I'm a huge Disney nut, so this is crazy crazy for me to say this. I feel like unless you are like a massive Disney fan and you need to watch this just to compare and to be part of the conversation with other Disney fans, if you want to wait till June, honestly, in my yeah, opinion, you can wait till June. That's that's just it though, right? Like you're talking, you're, yeah. you're basically stating the obvious. It's like, it really comes down to what you want, right? Like you can either wait to watch Wonder Woman or pay $30 to find out right now that it's garbage. How terrible it is. Right? So yeah. it's like, it's it's one of those things. Yeah, and right? how is that so. any different than ever, you know? Yeah, yeah. You don't pay for the theater. You wait for it to be free on TV in a year. It's kind of the same thing. But this is one I would endorse. I'd say it'd be worth it, especially for a, a family. If you have enough people, yes. you know, absolutely. Well, I, I also think that it's 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 if we if we think about the target audience, it's not three thirty to you know thirty five year old men who are buying this for right. It's yeah. it's a family. It's a family that yeah. would cost thirty plus dollars or more American. I would say too. Right, thirty plus dollars or more American for a family of four 12, to go. It's twelve bucks American, yeah, for a ticket to a movie. You know, there you go. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, there. So, right there, they've they've already they're already hitting their price point. So, if you're an individual and you don't want to spend thirty eight dollars, and that's fair, that's fair. Yeah. But I think that it's it, it makes sense for a family. Totally. Um, and guys, you know, I I definitely, I, you know, this review is the is through the lens of us three, you know, 30 to 35 year old men. So, you know, I, I think that we shouldn't necessarily skew our, our opinion of the film uh, based on whether, you know, based on its target audience, right? Like we're, we're watching it. This is what we, what we're going to give it. And well, cause we're, what, cause we're fans, right? We're, we're all fans yeah. of the, of the thing we've, we've, we ha, have we watched Tangled? Yes. Have we watched Mo, yeah. Moana and Frozen one and two? Yes. So I, I say that with pride and yeah. maybe a little bit of like, wow, I've seen them numerous times. So it's like, of <laughs> yeah. course I'm going to sit down and watch this movie <laughs> for sure. So um, guys, now that we've traveled all over Kumandra and discussed what we liked and what we didn't like, let's collect our thoughts as if they were pieces of the Dragon Gem and get a summary. Uh, I want a summary of your thoughts and your overall review score, uh, which we'll be rating on a scale of one uh, on a sorry on a scales uh, of one to five Dragon Gem pieces. Kevin, let's start with yourself, my friend. Oh, okay. Um, honestly. Uh just you did a really good job of of sort of talking about how given the state that the world's in right now uh you know especially when you look at how politics are dividing people uh and and 
there you just have these just conflicting fundamental I- ideologies um but uh then you bring up uh, the father's line about how you know we misunderstand them just like they misunderstand us and i just think given the times we're in it was such a poignant and, and perfectly timed message to sort of have behind a movie this idea of just sort of letting go of your your misconceptions and and trusting your fellow person to sort of you know work together and, and come together uh, to create a better world given that it, it was a family movie but not too kitty um but it also wasn't so you know mind-bogglingly over the top like soul in my opinion where it was just so philosophical and so deep that i honestly don't understand how a movie like that could have resonated with kids whereas i think this one would be approachable for children and yet here we are as three 35 30 something year old men talking about like a movie about dragons and we still enjoyed it and so i just think it was the it it was that perfect Disney blend. I'm not going to put it up in the ep, upper echelon of all time greats that they've done, but for what it was, I enjoyed it more than even Onward or you know uh, like a lot of the movies they've done in the last few years. Uh, again, I, I, I'll say it again. This is kind of my favorite Disney movie since Zootopia. Um, so I I think just from that perspective, they really hit it out of the park. I think it's definitely worth worth the price point especially if you're going to be watching it with three or four people. Um, So I'm going to give it uh, 4.2 Dragon Shards out of five. All right. Okay, cool. Justin. Um, Yeah, um, I think they they did a really good job of telling a very important moral story that anyone can understand um, and appreciate. that's timeless and that is trust that's family um you know family's always ingrained in disney stories but the the idea of the trust um and and you know working together to accomplish something i think that that's that's very key uh to to the times as you're as you're saying kevin um i love that they 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 blended a variety of different southeast asian cultures into this fantasy world um i think it had the right amount of seriousness with comedy um and that it it you know carried the weight with with action and and choreography versus music musical numbers and and to your point love interests um it focused on a, a, a hero's journey uh at, at the core of its story um while also having you know someone like aquafina add a really fun out of the box vibe that yes doesn't necessarily fit in terms of this world because she's so of our time but that's kind of the connectivity that the audience has into this world uh so i feel like that's really accomplished well um i'm gonna give this one four and a half dragon dragon gems um out of five just because i think that uh i think for me at least i really appreciated the fact that disney should be doing more stories like this that really do hit home a more central honest uh moral truth uh that 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 people can connect with like a kid can watch this and understand now if if they're having problems with someone else that maybe they can they can be the first person to make the effort to change that and that's that's the key of that. that story so Mm. I love that. Yeah, I think 
Here's the thing. I'm going to I'm going to come down a little bit harder on the film than you guys. You're going to be the Kev. You're going to be the Kev. <laughs> I'm the Kevin of this, of this episode. Yeah. It yeah, feels well, good. I, it feels I'm good. surprised at how hard you're coming cuz you were like, "Oh yeah, this movie." I was so excited you for this movie. You were stoked and, for this one. And, that's and, and why was that I was, maybe the issue? That could have been it. Maybe I was just overstoked, right? And again, going into it, have he, making people he, or telling people having people tell me that it's this is the avatar of the Disney world. I'm just like, oh, let's go. Like, we're going to get these really fleshed out worlds and these really, like, you know, memorable, impressive, dynamic characters that don't hold your hand and don't... Anyways, for me, Ryan the Last Dragon does a couple of wonderful, unconventional things narratively, but ultimately it plays it safe and ends up being one of the most beautiful Dis- movies that Disney's ever made that unfortunately doesn't spend enough time building out the incredibly intriguing world it presents. Uh, I want more time in this world and with these characters, which tells me that I did enjoy the concepts from the film, but I enjoyed them more than what they actually gave us. Uh, with only two standout performances, and in my opinion, uh, neither of them coming from Sisu, who is supposed to drive the moral home for the audience, I think that the movie is missing the mark on getting its message across in a memorable way. And while there may be more issues with the dialogue than Aquafina's performance, I just didn't feel the connection to The Last Dragon, and therefore I felt disconnected from the main protagonist, which is unexpected from a Disney movie, uh, as usually they create such wonderful and memorable characters. Uh, I mentioned how I would love you know, a Raya series on Disney Plus, and I, I still would, um, as it would allow them to take the time needed to address the issues that I have with this movie. And I, I really hope that Disney doesn't forget this world that they've created because it really did and does have potential. So for all these reasons, I am giving Raya and the Last Dragon three and a half dragon gem pieces out of five. Uh, I hated this movie so much, I need more of it. No, I didn't hate it. I enjoyed it. I absolutely did enjoy it. I didn't get enough from it. That was that was the biggest thing. They left you wanting more. That's the goal of any movie, isn't it? No, but but leaving you wanting more, leaving you wanting more by giving you half of a meal or one third of a meal is not the right way to leave you wanting more. I'm sorry, it's just not. Sure, yeah, I but you want to be just I think they have some gorged. amazing ideas. You want to be so Justin, full that you're no, leaving I, that. I want, <laughs> Justin, you you cannot say that this movie was not conventional. It was so conventional. It was so it. It played it so safe, but 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 what it did do in terms of its moral, absolutely. I, t- I mentioned those unconventional things were great. We talked about this right. last week on last week's podcast, where you had said that uh, how something simple people can can harp on something for being simple, and I said I don't understand how you know you, you know someone could say something negative about the simplicity of a story. You're right. It wasn't conventional. It was a very simple story, probably a story that we've already seen in some other Disney story. But I think what it wrapped itself in and where it took us and how it focused on on that that truth, because I, I agree with you that uh, Namari and Raya's relationship is a very much a key factor. But again, I hit home the idea that Aquafina's character was that connectivity for the audience and that that generation that is watching this movie to really kind of understand, you know, how to make that first step to to make the first step forward, right? To do things differently, to trust. Um, yeah, I just feel like I feel like this is like to Kevin's point. It's it's like you you're saying you you didn't like this movie, but you want more. You want more, and I don't think I don't think you do a Raya series though. I don't think you do a Raya series. I think you do a series about like all the other places and maybe even some of those side characters do that that sounds great and do it in that animation style that we talked about earlier i mean 
again, guys, I enjoyed the movie. Don't think I didn't enjoy the movie. I enjoyed the concepts. I enjoyed the concepts of the movie. I just feel like they just really missed the mark on just giving me everything that I, I expected from, from what they had set up. I know it's called Raya and The Last Dragon, but The Last Dragon was kind of the, the driving point of the movie and you didn't like the last dragon. So of course no. you're not going to like the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I did not, I did not connect with uh, Sisu. This review is amazing. Nate, you Batman, you were the heroes for so long. You've become the villain somehow. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, Kevin, I told you, you were the King at the beginning of the episode. I took your crown, I put it on and now I'm the Scarlet witch. Okay. I can't wait to see what you hate next. Yeah, exactly. How I much you dislike it. it. I enjoyed it. A 3.5 is not a hate. I would have given it a one if I had hated it. That's true. Oh my gosh. Well, that's it. We hope you enjoyed this review of Raya and the Last Dragon. And if you did, be sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. We are geek-centric, and you can be too, uh, which means you can also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric, follow us on Twitter at geekcentricyt, and follow us on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Uh, you can also join myself uh, over on Twitch, where I promise I will not have as critical uh, things to say about the video games I'm playing, maybe, um, where I'll be live-streaming some games and, and hanging out. Uh, right now, I'm still having fun every single Sunday night with Super Mario Sunday, uh, playing some Super Mario 3D world with some guests so if you like this podcast you know imagine a live podcast with some of my friends uh, as we play some games uh, and talk about all things geek centric so come by uh, say hi and keep the conversation going over there justin kevin thank you so much for joining me for this magical review and as we say love ya stay home safe guys peace <laughs>